you know, when you stop focusing exclusively on yourself and your own experiences and your own traumas and your own, you know, it, there's a time and a place to do that. But actually, when you start getting into, I wonder if I could just help somebody else. You know, ego moves out the way um, and something else more fulfilling moves into its place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Second Mind, the show that empowers you to become the greatest version of yourself. To give you the fuel to master your potential, we showcase amazing journeys, ideas, and mindsets of inspiring people who live and think differently. Our guest today is Adam Laidler, a UK-based counsellor, public speaker, and life coach whose journey has featured hallucinogenic drinks, depression, and a shaman. Adam has created his life coaching business, Me Being Adam, helping people grow and optimize their well-being. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me along. No problem, no problem. Um, I just wanted to start off by something that really interested me when I was reading a little bit uh, up on you on your website. You, you've built your life coaching business, and we can get into the story of how that came to be in itself. And but you've built it uh, almost around the, the principle of being uh, open and transparent with, with yourself, um, sort of openly admitting that you're not this like life coach has like a perfect perfect life and everything's going like absolutely well all of the time like you you've uh, got your flaws as, as much as everybody else and i was very interested um that you've put that as like a front front headline to make it really like relatable um was that a really like conscious decision to go through with that yeah i guess it was um the one thing that really um frustrates me is when you see life coaches on instagram and they they've got like these perfect or, or seemingly perfect lives where they're on the beach sipping cocktails or they're traveling around the world or they're you know stepping out of luxury aircraft and stuff and, and somehow painting out that that should be the life that you aspire towards um and i think that it's ironic to call those people life coaches because i class myself as a um in the healing space in the helping space so mm. to give somebody that that kind of uh, image to aspire towards which is totally unattainable you know I don't know anybody that doesn't carry the human insecurities that we all carry the the desire for love the desire for connection the desire for belonging mm. um, so I, I did make a conscious decision yeah me being Adam was all about sharing as much as I felt comfortable of my personal experiences um, with with the people that follow me and wanted to be just like look I'm just an average guy um, struggling through life the same as you and maybe there would be something that would resonate with people about about that rather than me being on that beach sipping a cocktail yeah and I feel like that's an image that is far too prevalent in our society nowadays with the way that social media is is like warping our perception of of how other people are living their lives I feel like if if people are seeking help and they they're, they're feeling that even the people who are like offering support and help um, uh, they they almost seem like their life is unattainable. Then it's it's almost like a, a, a no win there. Yeah, and you know we have to remember that this is social media is just a highlight reel, mm. and that's that's fundamentally forgotten when people are you know we know that social media is addictive. Um, the founders of social media platforms are now coming out and saying actually we know the science behind what we did. We, you know we're playing on the chemicals in the brain, things like dopamine, and and getting people to engage with our platforms in an addictive way. Um, and I think, you know, when you take that into consideration, so we're addicted to looking at these lives and following people, but we're following a highlight reel. 
and sometimes we forget to put that critical filter on and say what am i looking at here the, you know this life coach that or this person that i follow this celebrity that seemed to be just having all this amazing experience well you're not seeing you're not seeing the bit where they're picking up socks off the bathroom floor you know you're not seeing the bit where they're they're crying because their heart's been broken or they're upset because you know somebody rejected them that you don't see the fullness of that person's experience you just see the very the very small highlights and i think it when you internalize that it can bring about all sorts of feelings of shame about oh, my life's not good enough because it's not like this highlight reel mm. but we're fundamentally forgetting that you know that isn't truth and that's something that with my platform i try to be really conscious of and whilst at the same time as i'm not putting every bit of sadness on there i try and balance it out between look i've been struggling this week and this is why i've been struggling um and it and even i had some feelings about you know should i be doing that will people come to me as a life coach as a therapist if i'm there saying you know my life's not great all the time um but it, it felt fundamentally important to just have a real a real existence and to show people that but also part of what i want people to to understand is that social media needs a critical filter um, and it's the, the the behavior that it drives is to serve a powerful few and it's the uh, it's the people that are invested in the platforms yeah so it's almost like people when they're when they're viewing social media is to have that awareness to say this has been developed um you know with those sort of like dopamine cycles and stuff like that to make me want to come back and it's going to make me feel a certain way but if they can observe that and then at least be aware of it so then they can they can know that okay this isn't like a natural thing and they can like pull away from it and say actually like this is the state of how things are people are way more like me than uh, like i think there's not this big distance between me and society like we're all in this together yeah it's a it's about just i suppose recognizing the system that you're part of um and it feels to me a little bit at the moment like the the tail is wagging the dog is the old expression you know the social media is is addictive we, we know that people are addicted to their phones i read somewhere the other day that people on average check their phones 150 times a day like so that's everybody so mm. you know i know that my nan's got a phone she's not checking it 150 times a day which means some people are probably checking it into the thousands you know what does that mean for for us culturally well it means that we're we're the slave to the technology and actually the technology should be the one that's serving us so uh, part of my work is about waking people up to the influences that they're put under and it's and it's about having a critical mind it's about critically looking at the your experience so everything from social media through to the political landscape through to um through to marketing messages that we're receiving just every bit of stimulus that you're receiving we should be asking the same questions of who who wrote it what's their agenda what are they trying to get from me um and if you look at all marketing as just you know, just take one example um, anti-aging cream it's just the big it's not even discreet about the fact that it's shaming you into feeling that you're not you're not enough you know that I, f I feel for anybody that's in that bracket where perhaps they are starting to feel that they're they're aging a little bit and one of the adverts i watched the other day started but the opening line was do you ever feel invisible and you know that that's playing into a fundamental insecurity that every single one of us has which is a fear of disconnection from the other so once you start to get a critical mind and you think hold on a second you know, the whole marketing industry is just exploiting a human vulnerability for profit. Uh, then you have a choice about whether you, you opt in or opt out of that. Mm. And I, I think that can be really empowering. And that's some of the messages that I try and do is, uh, you know, if you want to invert commas, like exit the matrix. It's like just, just 
be critical of your experience and and don't take it that everything that's being served to you is for your benefit because trust me you know it's not yeah everyone's has has an agenda with what they're they're putting out and for, for marketing especially i think people who are the creating those ads yeah they're, they're just trying to have success for their business but maybe they don't see the higher picture that they're creating their advert but also every other marketing company is creating their advert and when we're experiencing this like really heavily bombarding media society you just see so many every single day even subliminally mm. and it's it's interesting how those over time even if you do have a more resilient mindset to it they can still play into your insecurities and, and uh, you know even you know when you're in the corner shop you look over at the magazines and on the front covers of all the men's and women's magazines you can see these sort of like model-esque people um with like their sort of perfect body yeah um and just sort of seeing those on a regular basis even though you know that that's you know that's not like what normal people look like mm. then it's still like influencing you on a, on a deeper level maybe yeah, you're absolutely, you've hit the nail on the head, really. We can't ever know. I mean, the fact that it's subliminal, by definition, means it's out of our awareness, doesn't it? It's it's mm. out of our conscious awareness. So, but, but knowing that stuff is happening for us outside of our conscious awareness can really bring about a sense of empowerment because you do have your own agency. You do have the ability to make decisions. Um, and, you know, those decisions are influenced ultimately by some of the subconscious stuff. But some of the overt stuff, you know, I read somewhere the other day, even our household appliances now... Are being branded as fashionable because the the people that are creating them don't want them to be thrown away when they're broken they want them to be thrown away when they don't look trendy anymore in the kitchen so you know what's that all about it's just it's about the economy that we survive on is is called capitalism and capitalism relies on people buying things more and more every year so that's why we have to keep creating new um, industries we have to keep creating new markets for people so that we can keep spending more money well how do you get people to spend money well fundamentally you you get them to think that they either need that product to be enough or without that product they're going to be abandoned by their their communities um, and that's the, that's the source of most marketing and once you're aware of that um, you can start to make conscious decisions about whether or not you engage and you know, this is a podcast about mental health so what's the link well to me it's pretty obvious because if you're being shamed by all of these external influences and you're being conditioned um, then it's it's going to have an impact especially when those things are playing on our vulnerabilities um, because it goes to the deepest part of our brain which is you know we want to be loved we want to feel connected to other people and we want to feel like we belong somewhere and all of those messages are doing the opposite of that, or they're playing on that. They're mm. saying, you know what, if you don't get the latest phone, um, you're not going to be cool, and people aren't going to necessarily like you because you've not got the latest phone. And, you know, I'm not I'm not professing to be here. The whole journey of me being Adam is like, I haven't got all the answers. I definitely haven't got all the answers, and I don't want to be in some lofty space where I'm like, guys, you just need to, like come and join me in this like zen tower where i'm completely detached from all of this i'm a product of this society you know we're sat in a studio with equipment that has been created by this this economy and this culture so um but i think i think there's a time for us where we can start turning it into good you know we can use social media to influence in different ways to promote messages of positivity and not play on those those hooks that we all have mm. Well, it seems like you've you've become very much more 
like aware of all of these sort of fundamental little nooks and crannies and flaws in society which can really like progressively gnaw away at people but I take it that that hasn't always been your mindset take me back to sort of before you, you started your life coaching business so what sort of space were you in even before I know that you had a instant where you went traveling mm. um, and I take it you had no plans to create such a, a business or like have the lifestyle that you have now no I, I definitely didn't I was very much in the matrix you know I was part mm. of part of everything that I've just described so um, if you, if I can wind back, I'm 34 this year, but if I wind back to when I was 18, I was promised a dream. I was told by um, the people around me growing up that, you know, what you need to do is you need to go to school, you need to get a good education, then you need to get a good job, then you need to meet a partner, buy a house together, get married, have kids, all that kind of stuff, and then you'll be happy. And if you're not happy, it just means you haven't worked hard enough, you know, and and these images, you know, just kept flashing up about what is success. Well, success is this salary, it's that car, it's that house. So I became completely um, one one track minded in terms of wanting those things. So I would be. Mm. I remember when I was eighteen, um, I couldn't afford a car. I couldn't afford a decent car, and I, I the, probably the car that I could afford would be maybe less than a thousand pounds. Um, but I thought, I can't drive around in that sort of a car. So I went and pushed myself to get a brand new Mini um, on, on HP. Couldn't afford it really, but you know, I, lo- I took a loan out to buy a car just so I could have the status of, you know, I'm driving around in a brand new car because I thought that'll make me feel worthy. And then so I got the car and after about a week of driving it, I thought, well, that, that's not worked. Oh, I know what I need to do. I need to push myself harder at work so I can get a promotion and I can step up from team leader to be a team manager because I was absolutely obsessed with status and job titles and and Mm. earning potential. So I went on this mission um, and the reason why I ended up running my own business ultimately, not the life coaching business but the one before, before this, was... I wanted to be a director. <laughs> I wanted to be. I wanted the status of director, even if it was just of one person. I wanted the business card that said MD on it because I wasn't satisfied with with the status of just being a manager for a banking group. So sure enough, I quit quit my job that was paying reasonably well, went to earn peanuts, and set up my own business. But it was always driven by um, a fear of not being enough. It was never driven by wanting to do good by others. It was. I was. Mm. I was just so caught up in it. Um, and ultimately, you know, my, my journey that led me to where I am now is that it just became too much. It, it, I had a, a nagging voice in my head that whole time saying, you know, this won't make you happy. You know, this won't make you happy. But it was so faint that that voice was so faint and so distant that it didn't it didn't feel true. It felt like almost like, what is that? Whose is that voice? Now, I, I now know that it was the higher self within me kind of trying to look out for me. But that higher self is never critical. It's just there and it's present and it will give you guidance if you can tune into it. But at the time, I was so distracted and I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have any tools available to me. Um, All I knew was more, bigger, better. So I just ignored that and I carried on and I ignored that and I carried on. I had a bereavement in my family, which was probably the thing that triggered the start of the downfall. Um, And I I do some talks and and I... claim this moment as the universe coming down and giving me a gentle slap around the face and saying you really need to listen now um because it was it was awful seeing a family member die and going through that experience and having a sense of my own mortality but even then i i 
I didn't have the tools to stop doing what I was doing. So I thought, oh, I know what this means. It means I've got to set up an office in, in a big city in the UK. You know, I'm, I'm from Worcester. That's where the company was founded. But I was like, no, I need a, I need a city office and a city pad. And I just carried on going. Um, and eventually it had to stop because it, it just wasn't making me happy. Mm. It seems like a lot of people who have had a seeming like a transformation such as yours uh, changes over many years. They they are dealt these sort of incremental sort of slaps from the universe, saying like if it were to use that analogy of the Matrix, it's like wake up, yeah. wake up, wake up, and and at first maybe they're like smaller and they they seem like indistinguishable from normal life, but actually as they become more and more sort of like regular it seems like it's directing you towards one thing obviously it's your choice to listen to those like you're saying listen to your higher self um and, and like the universe the way it's it's directing you mm. um i take it there was a point where you obviously seemingly like lost everything i know you had issues with your business um and issues in your personal life which led you to a place which maybe you, you were feeling like a little bit depressed and um, like a bit of a dead end. Tell me through what was running through through your mind and, and what sort of flipped your direction, the tipping point where you were like, right, I'm going this way now and I don't know where it's going to take me, but it feels like it's better than where, where I was right now. Yeah, it's um, it was a really, really difficult year for me, 2015, so three years ago now. And I'd been having these slaps from the universe sort of to say, wake up, wake up, wake up. And that year, my my now ex-partner of 13 years at the time came out with a story about his early childhood sexual abuse. And he, he's a very public speaker about that. And he sort of campaigns for survivors up and down the country. And he was getting all this press coverage and he was getting all these interviews. Radios wanted to speak to him. Broadcasters wanted to speak to him to understand like his his brave story and I remember thinking at the time how I wanted to be there for him as this supportive partner as as his proud husband standing next to him um, but I was just so consumed with jealousy at the attention and the validation that he was getting mm. um, that I couldn't do it you know he, he was he was accumulating all this status and all this heroic um, language was being sort of directed at him and I just felt so worthless because I still had this notion in my head that you know status is what makes you worthy and the amount of people that follow you on Instagram is what makes you worthy as a person so that led to you know not notwithstanding all of my behavior throughout that relationship was um, was very hard on a relationship because I was doing the more bigger better and that was exhausting for both of us but th that became almost like the tipping point for me and I remember thinking this is something's wrong something's fund my wiring is fundamentally wrong that when my partner is going through something so distressing I can't be present with that because I'm too too chewed up with resentment and shame about that and that was kind of the start of the demise for me so that was probably January 2015 that ultimately led to an unreconcilable uh, breakup in our in our relationship and unbeknownst to me the company that we'd built up over the last sort of previous nine years we'd got a, a rogue finance director that had been profiting from from the bank account um, illegally so the relationship ended in the July and the company then went into liquidation in the October so just a few months later and I remember at that point thinking 
wow, this is, what? what's the message here? But there was still, even then, there was still a, a part of me that was like, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to set up another company tomorrow doing the same thing um, and, and rescue these staff and then I'll be the hero. Um, so that's exactly what I did. I set up another business. I carried over some some of the, the people that were going to lose their jobs and we went for it again. And, and it was actually in the Christmas of 2015, the December, that... I had a, a night where I just completely went off the rails and I'd been using drugs, alcohol and casual sex as a kind of a crutch to get me through heartbreak and to get me through the loss of my business. You know, all pillars of my identity were being ripped away from me. Um, it was almost like, I look at it now as, as the universe stripping me bare mm-hmm. and me just desperately clambering to not be stripped bare because it was not a pleasant experience. Um, but my best friend, um, who's been my friend since college, kind of sat with me one evening in in Manchester and Jesus said I don't know what's happening to you but this isn't you and you need to stop and she was referencing my destructive behavior so at that point I I sat all the the team down and I said I can't do it anymore I don't I don't want to run this business I did it because I thought it would be um, heroic um, and it would give me status but I recognize now that something is telling me that it's not meant to be um, I'm literally killing myself through my behavior so it's got to stop and and so December 2015 was when it stopped and I, I did what everyone does when they're going through a midlife crisis and, and book a load of travel of course, um, of course that's what you do <laughs> um, way ticket yeah and you know there was still remnants there even then of you know I updated my all my uh, social media feeds to say that I was going to be a world traveler I mean I still hadn't learned the lesson but I guess mm. it, in many ways I'd, I'd taken some of it and said no I can't I can't keep running this business mm. I can't keep doing this it's got to stop so that was the that was the the biggest turning point really mm. um, but that's what tipped me into depression so I I, I think I've been running for a long time and you know there's a there's a really good analogy for for trauma which is you know back in the day we'd be picking berries in the forest a saber-toothed tiger would jump out and we'd be left thinking what what you're not thinking is oh what a lovely blue sky what a lovely tiger um i better probably get a jog on now you don't think any of those things you just go straight into flight mode and you run away and you keep running until you've got no energy left and eventually you stop and it's when you stop and you look and you look down at your body and you see the wounds that you've accumulated through all that running and and stress and that's probably what was happening in in the start of 2016 because I'd stopped I'd finally stopped mm-hmm. and all of probably you know a lifetime's worth of running caught up on me and my body just went nope and it and I tipped into depression yeah so it was, it was like this this knee-jerk reaction um from from your body and it, it's interesting how you're saying that even after you'd exited your or you were exiting your business um after start trying to start another one you still felt like transitioning into that traveler mode it would be still about sort of feeding the ego in a slight way which would be like i'm i'm being the the traveler and like bringing back the whole thing around sort of social media and people knowing that you're traveling rather than being there and being present and being in tune with the experience it's almost like the the it's rather than rather than like an on-off switch for sort of like waking up to being present it's more like a, a fader as you were and so if that's the start of your process of turning it the other way and that seems like it, your your business as well it is 
very like based around it seems progressive growth so you're saying that you there's no point that you get to that you're chasing where this is it um it's all about progressive growth and and being um all about the process um and so did you feel like as in your time traveling you were were becoming more and more in tune with that as you went on so it started at the beginning as if you were very much more focused on how you're being perceived as a as a traveler and then by the end of your experience it was i am feeling much more in tune with the experiences and i'm actually like living these in a more like genuine way yeah you probably hit the nail on the head i like the fader analogy because i i naturally analytical my 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 go-to is right i've got a problem how can i fix it um and when i become aware of something i'm like right what books can i read what theory can i grab hold of to make this better but it was it was progressive it had started off probably when my auntie died five years previous to the traveling experience that had been the sort of the first uh, uh, sign of kind of waking up a little bit but then you know then the relationship breaking then the company breaking and then seeing my own destructive behaviors um but i guess you know i was punitive about like i know my life is awful and i know i want it to be different and can it just can can we just get that to happen overnight please can we just can yeah. we just sort that out um and when i went traveling i went traveling with my depression so i got diagnosed a week before i went um my family were just absolutely beside themselves because i was clearly clearly depressed you know i was all of the symptoms ticking those boxes three times over and I now class myself as fortunate to have had the opportunity to travel with depression because what depression did for me was it it literally depressed everything else and I had to be with myself. So I traveled alone. Um I went on some groups and I met up with some people so I wasn't um in solitude, but there were times when I was very much on my own and the depression um depression when you're living in a western world is difficult because there's pressures on us to perform there's pressures on us to go to work we've got all these shaming messages around us depression in southeast asia is very different depression in south america is different because those those same pressures aren't present so you can sit with the depression without the shame mm. um and you and i listened to it and i was like what is this telling me and it was dark you know there were some really dark things in there i had to face up to the way that i treated people the way that i treated myself um the fact that i denied my own humanity at times um and and it was awful you know it was it was an awful awfully dark experience but i was able to start seeing what it was that had gone wrong i was like yeah i've i've ignored that voice in my mind that knew that this wasn't going to make me happy i've trampled over people to get places for for purposes of status um i've chosen materialism as a route to fulfillment when that was that was just it was so obvious that that was never going to be a route to fulfillment so i class myself as you know i i'm quite outspoken about this i think when people are diagnosed with depression it is a signal from their body and their mind to make an assessment of where they're at but unfortunately not everybody has the luxury um or the opportunity to sit with their depression you know because some some people have got families some people have got jobs and they're the breadwinner some people have got mortgages to pay and and a lot of people have got a lot of those things so you know ideally i'd love it if we were like oh you've got depression great you're going to learn some stuff about yourself but we need to take you out of the uh, out of the system for 6 months or 12 months or however long it takes for you to learn what it's trying to tell you mm-hmm. but we don't have that approach um because 
we don't have the resources um, either as a as a culture or as an individual to uh, to afford that at all times. Mm. And and so on your traveling experience, you um, went and had ayahuasca, which is I think that the same compound is, is it has DMT inside it. Yes, it's DMT based. Yeah. And and do you think that 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 substance, that psychedelic experience, allowed you to connect with where your depression was coming from sort of really ultimately strip back everything as you're saying you'd be going through that process up until that time but do you think that was like the really taking off all the armor and just looking at, at yourself as a, as a bare human being or, or as in terms of like your soul almost and and seeing that true identity of like where it was coming from um, yeah I, I the hesitation there is that I I'm not um, I don't endorse ayahuasca um, mm. And that surprises some people because I know that there are people that have done it who are like, you've got to do it, you've got to do it. I think I was called to it and it felt like a culmination of all the work that I'd been doing up to that point. So I'd had therapy, I'd been in psychotherapy, which was what kind of got me um, interested in wanting to be a psychotherapist myself. So I'd had a lot of counselling leading up to my travels. So I'd worked through a lot of stuff and I'd started to do a lot of sense making. When I was travelling, I travelled through Central America and bearing in mind a lot of my problems had been born out of a Western capitalist culture. You know, America is that on steroids. Um, so I'd, I'd kind of bared witness to what had been um, affecting me. Um, and when by the time I was looking to do ayahuasca, what, what I felt it did was the expectancy was, I'm going to revisit a load of stuff and I'm going to put it to bed. Um, and I did do that. But it, when you say, did it strip me bare? Yes, I... I transcended my body I transcended my ego I transcended everything that is um, known to me to become just a pure speck of awareness um, and that awareness for me was love you know it was just there was no there was no space for anything else other than love um, and I suddenly had this really strong epiphany that my purpose is to help other people and actually I believe that everyone's purpose is to help other people we've become um, individualized as a society we've become very focused on the self um, to the detriment of all others you know it's it's very much neoliberalism is built on that principle of you know the, the um, trample over everyone else and just you know there's opportunity for everyone but you've got to get it you've got to go out there and get it and I saw all of that just exactly for what it was it was the it was the clarity it was the clearing of the fog that just allowed me to to almost believe for the first time that that little voice in my head that had been telling me these things all my life wasn't wasn't false it was it was true i saw it and i experienced it and i came from that back from that experience a very different person mm. an incredibly different person and it's it's quite an interesting procedure in itself isn't it the the, 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 the shamanic nature of it and it's a very interesting take on on drug use because there's it's it's a very like spiritual ceremony and it's not like the sort of recreational drug use that we know in the western world where people will go out on the weekend and take that like, mdma or, or whatever mm. um it, it yeah it seems like a very like planned methodical process but what, what interests me particularly is that that you're alluding to the fact that any, anyone can get to that point of realization without any excess substances any any external substances sorry so people can go along their own personal journeys, but it's the the evaluation of themselves that, that still needs to happen and be that through 
like work with a counselor or just spending time like meditating themselves or if they do decide to take something like ayahuasca um it's it's all like taking you through the same process just through different doors yeah exactly and and i i don't see ayahuasca as a drug i see it as a medicine um mm. and and the shamans would would suggested it is that and it has a dmt compound which we class as a drug over in the west but you know i mean you could argue it's semantics but yeah can you get to the same place of course you can i, I think what my issue was was my ego was fierce you know i had a strong ego and i and i now know through the psychotherapy that i've done since coming back that that ego was was there from a child to protect me you know so it served me well but it, it became the center of me and the thing that I learned through ayahuasca was that I have the ability to transcend my ego. So when my ego is going, you know, you need to get that new phone because you're going to be left out. Just this morning, I was in, I was in the Apple store and I was looking around for, for a cable and I saw the new iPhone. and I was like, I need that. And I was like, no, that's my ego. And that's the fact that I'm in a store that is designed to make me feel that way. Mm -hmm. So I, I can tap into my own agency and walk out that store and say no I'm not I'm not going to do that now I don't skip out the store and go yeah you know higher self won uh, because I'm still subject to all the um, subliminal messages that brings about but there is a sense of like oh yeah actually I can make decisions about this I'm not I'm not beholden to the system so so ayahuasca yes it's definitely a tool but I think you can get to the same place. And I think if you're working with somebody that's skilled enough or you meditate, you know, meditation is about transcending ego. Mm. Um, the minute that you start to realize that you are part of something much bigger than just your individual self, um, that to me is the, the gateway into more fulfillment. You know, when you stop focusing exclusively on yourself and your own experiences and your own traumas and your own, you know, it, there's a time and a place to do that. But actually when you start getting into... I wonder if I could just help somebody else. You know, ego moves out the way um, and something else more fulfilling moves into its place. Mm. Off on a little tangent, there was something that someone recommended to me recently, which was to that improve your, your quality of sleep. Sometimes it'd be cool to just write down on a bit of paper who you have helped that day and how and someone that's helped you. And it seems like such a really simple thing but actually quite quite humbling in the way that sometimes you won't know what to write down at all. So you, you're not even opening your eyes to how others are contributing positively to your life. And then sometimes you're not actually engaging with others and helping them. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, for your experiences traveling, you, you had that process and now through your, your business, your taking part in that process of, of helping others, taking all of those those learnings and your continued learnings, I'm sure it's, it's the process hmm. and then helping empower other people to to optimize their own well-being. And th so this is feeling like your direction from now. This is uh, your sort of calling to help others. Yeah, it feels like my purpose. And I know I know when I do like my talks that that the time just seems to become it doesn't make any sense like it can feel like the talks lasted five minutes or five hours and that means I'm in flow you know because I think when you're in touch with your true purpose like you're you're just in in tune with yourself there's something about you're in the moment you're present doing what it is that you're here met the, and meant to do so when you can kind of get out the way of oh what do they think about this what do they think about that should I be shouldn't and you just kind of you just find that purpose 
um, and we've all got one. You know, we've all we've all got the the dreams that we have about. Oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And you know, some of them are impossible. You know, if you uh, if you've got certain physical limitations that stop you doing certain things. But it's just about kind of tuning in with. There's something about helping other people. There's something about you look at the happiest people, and they're often in service to others. You know, and that's not to say that, you know, I see myself as part of that. So self-care, self-compassion, the way that I talk to myself, all of those things are food I put in my body. Um, I see myself as part of the the people that I serve. You know, I serve myself as well as I serve others. Mm. But it's when it becomes exclusively serving yourself. And, and that I love that idea that it was recommended to you because it's, it's sort of, it, there's so much in that, isn't there? There's gratitude, there's self-awareness, there's... Um, kind of stepping out of self there's a lot that can do that and and I'm trying to through the coaching practice and the therapeutic work that I do trying to bring some of these lessons that I've had um, and ultimately sometimes I think people need to learn them themselves they need to have the catastrophe um, but there are some people who are open and receptive to other people's learnings and if they're on the brink of a t- catastrophe to hear my story and and say actually do you know what you don't need to go into that space you know maybe there's a maybe there's a place for you to step back from that and just do some assessment here um that's that's kind of what i'm about Mm. and it's it's cool that you've had this very defined process of before you were really enabling yourself to deeply and meaningfully help others you had to first help yourself so like the self came came first and uh, like on the as a headline it seems very like oh I, I come first like what's that about but actually it's about letting yourself be loved by yourself and and accepting who you are and being comfortable with yourself and then through that you can most effectively help others yeah and you know i've i've got a ring that i wear that i've got made in um, in vietnam and it says learning to love me because i feel like that's that's the lesson that i need to carry around with me at all times you know, when I hear myself say, oh, Adam, you idiot, I kind of remind myself that I wouldn't say that to somebody else. Mm. So why would I say it to myself? And you know, any journey of uh, healing starts with self because otherwise you know, all the cliches come out, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup, all that kind of stuff, put your own oxygen on first, all that. But they're cliches for a reason, aren't they? Because they tap into something. I believe cliches tap into truths that we know. So it does start with the self and sometimes that can fit you know we're told that that's selfish sometimes but actually it becomes selfish when it becomes self-serving to a point of of harm to others you know when you're so self-serving that you don't see others suffering and and help that but actually to you know to give to others when you are depleted yourself actually is it doesn't serve you or them because you both lose out ultimately so yeah it did um it was probably a a good a good solid chunk of time while I was working on me and now I work with others but that that still means that doesn't mean that I'm uh, you know uh, there's not space for me to work on myself that always will be and and I maintain self-care practices because they're so important awesome Um, before I go on to my last question before we wrap up um, would you like to let people know where they could find you? Um, are there any like online resources that people could go and visit to learn more about your work? Yeah, this is uh, this is where I get uncomfortable because I, <laughs> I, I have to bring ego to the fore, and and my own therapist says, you know, you've got to make a living, Adam. So so yeah, uh, my website's mebeingadam.com, and all of my Instagram, Twitter, 
Facebook, that's all me being Adam. And on there you can find, um, you can subscribe to the tribe, as I've called it. Um, and then I do kind of uh, monthly emails to people to let them know what I'm up to. Um, I've got my own podcast as well, which is the Me Being Adam podcast, um, which you're going to come on and be a guest at some Very point. Very excited to do yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's various different mediums that I try and communicate with people um, in this reality, not in the spirit world or anything like that. Um, ayahuasca didn't take me that far. But yeah, that's how you can get hold of me. Fantastic. Um, and to finish off, if you had a phone call with the 18-year-old version of Adam um, and you had five minutes to chat, what do you think you'd you'd say to him? Wow, that's a that's a powerful question. Um, I think I would say slow down, trust your intuition more, trust the that voice that you know was there. Um, I would talk to him about you know true uh, value doesn't come from the things you own; it comes from the person that you are. And I would encourage him to go about finding a practice of helping himself, but also helping others. So I think there's a space in all of our lives, whether it's it's a small bit of charity work, whether it's volunteering for you know, doing events, whatever, whatever it might be, the, there will be a space that you can create to help others. And there's just something about that that's nourishing and guides us to a better place. I think that's a lovely note to end on. Adam, thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome. It's been great to chat.